Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. It's a Dapper Devil production, see? All right, folks, hello, and welcome to another episode of Glee. Aggressive. aggressive i gave no warning that time i said we're just going for it we d- and i think we did it i think we did it pretty well that time um, um anyway i'm karina i'm ian um and we have an incredible guest with us today i'm really excited um because he was the first person to actually reach out to us and say he wanted to be on the show Yay. so i was like we need to get him on as soon as we can he is a comedian he is the co-host of pod Leadum, an america's next top model recap podcast and um if you know my work you'll know him as one of my co-stars of chad is not the killer from dapper devil Productions. see it is jw crump welcome jw Hey, thank you so much for having me. And there's nothing I like more than an introduction that says, when I want something, I DM you to get it. I, I mean, <laughs> you, have no ex- I, you have no idea how excited I was like to get that like comment or that DM. And I was like, great, this has legs. Also, forgot to mention the intro, birthday boy. Happy birthday. Yeah, yeah Yay! thank you. Thank you very much. I am uh, 36, which seems like the right age because all of the high schoolers in the show also look to be about 36 yeah. that's absolutely correct mm-hmm. um i was i think i was watching episode 11 and i was like puck looks a solid 36 here <laughs> no they're oh. teens um but what could be a better birthday present than discussing season one episode 10 of the phenomenal show glee you're uh, welcome this episode is titled ballad it first aired november 18th of 2009 so I forget almost... that we're still in 2009. And we've still got a ways to go. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Glee is one of those shows that feels both older and like it just got canceled a month ago. Yeah. I would believe that, that like, if you showed me season six of Glee, I could have been, like, 20, 2019, maybe? But no. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a show that, unfortunately, is very... It's deeply rooted in its time and also somehow transcends time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. let's uh, let's get into the episode. We open... Well, we have our recap, which I didn't really pay attention to. Um, then we, we, I guess, open the episode on the Glee Club. Um, and uh, Will announces to the class, we're going to do ballads. I think this is the first episode where Will writes the episode title on the whiteboard. I was just about to ask that, because if I understand correctly, and I'm just setting up the show for y'all because I've listened to, <laughs> I, I know the premise, but Karina, you've watched it all. Yeah, this is like my third or fourth time. It's yeah. unfortunate. I, I'm here with you. I'm on your side of the coin, right? So yes. anytime I saw something happen, like the whiteboard, I was like, is this the first of a thing that's going to become the always thing? I think it was. I think this is my first remembrance. I'm like, oh, I don't think they've done like, we'll just put the title on the whiteboard. Done. I love that as a narrative device because there's nothing lazier. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Amazing. Do you want to know what we're doing today? We've written it down. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> In case you uh, needed to catch up. Um, he So he announces that they're going to be doing ballads. He defines ballads for these high schoolers. Um, mm-hmm. Now let me ask y'all a question, <laughs> because I'm I'm notably among my friends musically 
illiterate, mm-hmm. real dumb in terms of that kind of stuff. Is this what a ballad is? More or less, I don't yeah. Think, I truly thought a ballad had to be sung individually by one person. There's no such um, thing as like a duet ballad. I guess I just, in my head, that was a duet. And ballad was the word when you were by yourself. But I guess solo is also that word. Right. Um, I think it can be both. I think you can sing a love duet, like a love ballad that is a duet. Um, I mean, I define a ballad as songs that I don't care about because there's... <laughs> because they're I, slow. I hate... I literally just looked it up to be like that pedantic bitch. It's like, well, what's the Oxford definition of a ballad? And the first one's like a poem or song narrating a story in short stanzas, which I don't think we're covering That's here. But the second one is a slow, sentimental, or, or romantic song. So I'm like, oh, so I don't like them. Which that does feel like what this show's pushing yeah. into for the most part, yeah. which um, we'll get to. If you're Britney, then a ballad is a male duck. Which, like, I'm uh. kind of impressed <laughs> with this. Like, for the dumb character, she's heard, like, she remembers some light bulb goes off on the word mallard. <laughs> And I just um, like that she when she cut they cut to the hat later, she goes, Oh, maybe the duck is in the hat. And I'm like <laughs> I I love the episodes where they use Brittany in the right amounts, which is the sprinkling mm. of paprika on a deviled egg. Yes. The That's early much... amount of Brittany is mm, chef's kiss. Oh, yes. so perfect. She's she was a breakout star and they just couldn't stop there. Yeah. This episode I got irrationally angry of at will for like what are the rules of sectionals? Haven't we already just like right? Absolutely. They're arbitrary, and I hate them. Oh, that's right because that was his. That was the whole actual framing device. Was that, now we have to have a ballad, yes, right? For sectionals, which are in an unknown amount of time, and we've been rehearsing for them <laughs> for ten weeks at least. And it's like we already had keep holding on. We've had ballads. That's a ballad. That's a ballad. Oh, oh. Absolutely. That's a company ballad. Yes. Um, also, I, I love the explanation for Matt's absence. Also, we, this is the we first time he said it. his name. Is it really? Yes. yes. They've never once called him. The only reason people on this podcast will know his name is Matt is because I've insisted on calling him that. So for half the people watching this, they're probably like, who's Matt? And then they look around and be like, oh, the other black kid's gone. Okay, that must be Matt. What's yeah, his last absolutely. name? It's Mike Chang and Matt. Rutherford. Rutherford, Which fine. they won't say for another four seasons. Okay. Um, I do love to hate that Rachel Berry takes credit for this because, to quote her, um, it looks like her the letter she wrote to the Ohio Glee Club magazine paid off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my note here is fuck you. <laughs> um, See, this is the Rachel that I like because yeah. I love, I love hyper competitive Rachel mm-hmm. because I I originally when I started liking this show, like I love the Rachel character because I thought it was so interesting to have someone who was so ostracized and so unpopular, yet also a winner. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a fascinating, like, kind of character. I will say I definitely agree with you on that. Like, as much as we rail on her and how much we've railed on her on the past, I guess, nine episodes, like, (laughs) I definitely agree with that. Especially because, like, this episode and next episode seem very out of character for Rachel. 
I have some thoughts on where Rachel's plotline's gonna go this episode, and we'll talk about them when we get there, but... Yeah. Um, honestly, and in terms of, like, Rachel being someone to write a letter requesting a ballad in a show choir competition, of course she would. All ballads are made for Rachel Berry's voice. 100%. So, like... She's just here to win, and she's trying to put herself at the forefront. I would personally rather not hear Leah Michelle sing a ballad ever again, but that's because of my own prejudices, so. <laughs> uh, I, I only want, uh, what's the one holiday song she sang twice in the show? Oh, I don't know. She sang Oh Holy Night, which that was, was it. really good. That was it. And I was like, that's the one, I, that's the only Rachel Berry song I need is Oh Holy Night every episode. There's some. <laughs> Fit it in. Like, Let's not get into the holiday spirit too early, but there's some bangers on the Glee Christmas albums. I will mm-hmm. say, and this is a minor tangent, um, when I first worked at the Container Store, like, in my late teen years, at the holiday season, they would play half of that soundtrack. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. In the store, yeah. Because Glee was still relevant when you worked at the Container Store. It was, absolutely. I think my run at the Container Store was as long as the run of Glee. Jesus. Like Wow. In the, in the same In the same for- years. <laughs> Thank you so that's much. That's impressive, though. That's impressive. Was was your last year at the Container Store also a half season? <laughs> um, no, I would say that my first year was a half season. I kind of did okay. it backwards. <laughs> so you had the reverse Glee experience. I had the reverse <laughs> Glee experience. Um, you know, that's what they or or a forward Container Store, as they call it on the set of Glee. Don't ask me. I just know that's true. <laughs> yeah, it's in it's so, in the memoirs. <laughs> this episode did something that comes up next when they put their like names all into the hat that is the classic ryan murphy thing to do that at the time was so funny and edgy but has aged so poorly and i don't mm-hmm. uh, personally i don't i hope i didn't even find it funny at the time but when tina picks a name out of the hat Ugh. and it just says other asian because so... i have two problems with that one that's just a joke about race it's lazy it's hack it's dumb two who is he referring to? Yeah. Because Tina's whole deal is, like, she's not noticed. Right. So yeah. I was also like, this is also a confusing joke. So, first of all, the way his method of putting names in the hat and then having the group, half the group pull it means that, in theory, he only needed to put half, like, half the people's Thank names you. in the hat and then choose who pulled. But that's not really the issue. The issue is, I've just come off of uh, re-listening to our release of episode 7, Throwdown, um, where we talk extensively with our guest, Rascal, about um, the treatment of being an Asian American in high school, um, where the whole joke was that Sue Sylvester, a racist character, called them Asian and other Asian, and the joke was, oh, it's Sue Sylvester, she's racist. But then they turn around and three episodes later, Will does it again. So now it's like, oh, now everyone's racist. Yeah. And it's just that lazy Ryan Murphy style of thing where the joke might have landed sort of the first time. And so then he's going to put it in anywhere in any episode out of character. Yeah, now he's just made Will a racist, basically. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because Sue's whole deal is she's the worst. Yes. Okay, maybe. That's her character (laughs) game. But, like, Will is supposed to be the good guy. Like, I literally, why like, would he... I texted her when I was watching this episode this morning to being like, Jesus Christ, I cannot believe they brought back the other Asian joke again. It is... I was livid, man. So early. And... Speaking of Sue Sylvester, I didn't realize this was an episode that had a complete absence Me of... Me I didn't either. 
Holy shit. Um, maybe that's why I didn't care for this as much. Um, but I feel like there's enough happening. We don't need to have Jane Lynch. Or they couldn't afford Jane Lynch this episode. <laughs> Valid. Let's talk about these pairings, though. Um, okay. <laughs> because for, cause Will puts his name in the hat. Red flag from the jump. Like, that cannot be okay. No. Like, the whole point of this is let's sing, like, these slow, sentimental songs at each other. Um, and I, I guess what at... A 20, we discovered a 29-year-old man sure. um, is going to be paired with a 16-year-old child. Um, yeah. But we have um, Kurt and Finn. Um, good for Kurt. Uh. We have Artie and Quinn, which my note here is like, that will be adorable because I love Artie and I love Quinn. Yep. We never get to see that spoiler alert. They have some duets in later seasons, and their voices mesh together outstandingly and i kind of knowing that as someone who's watched future seasons i was like i was like oh i don't remember this episode do we get to see a cool quick duet from everybody and that was the biggest disappointment i cannot wait for that thank you so much for that jw quinn's my favorite voice just so you guys know i love quinn's voice i love quinn's voice quinn is my favorite hard stop um but i'm I'm just a real quinn simp on this podcast um (laughs) But then we also have Tina and Mike Chang, um, Brittany and Santana, which I'm sure is also pretty epic, but we don't get to see that either. And then we have Endless Love in B-flat, and my note here is, of course, it's another song in B-flat, because they love saying B-flat, apparently. Is that the only note that exists? (laughs) In in this universe, yes. Um, Will and Rachel decide to duet this love song, and immediately Will is uncomfortable, but it's like, yeah, you put your name in the hat. This very yeah. well could have happened to you, sir. And, like, he's immediately uncomfortable. And, yeah, I, I don't blame him because, yeah. One of my favorite things about Glee, because I've often talked about how being on Glee as an actor seems like it both be extremely difficult and so simple. But one of the difficult parts is you're in so many scenes in the background and you have to react in character. Mm-hmm. And Amber Riley as Mercedes was doing overtime <laughs> reacting to this song. And I was yep. like, I feel like I feel like Mercedes is the only character that understands what's happening yet right now. Yeah, and they also 100%. cut to Artie at one point, and Artie is like king of side-eye over here of like Yeah. Like Artie does a gym in the office cut to the camera, like, are you guys seeing this? And I was like, Boy, I am, and I wish I wasn't. <laughs> Well, Will already did direct close-up eye contact with Artie. Yeah. 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 That was an odd moment that I don't know if it's supposed to be a joke or just like a let's, he's the closest one in the group by virtue of how he's seated. Yeah, because he has to be because he can't get up on the risers. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Uncomfortable. Yeah. Will immediately realizing his mistake as though he didn't recruit Finn by finding him singing naked in a shower is a pretty big move for Will. It's so yeah, wild. Will, this is the first time you've ever acted inappropriately with one of your Glee students. But also, I will say, if anyone, the one part of this I find believable is that if anyone could fall in love over the course of singing a love duet, it would be Rachel Berry. 100%. Oh, sure, 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 sure. If that... she's, who's, who's never once shown any interest in having a crush on her teacher, s- sings one ballad with him, and is like, wait, no, I'm in love. That's and very much realistic. And I feel like that's as far as we get with, like, Rachel Berry in character in this episode. Because from there, it's just immediately, like, fatal attraction level, like, falling for her teacher, 
Um, it's weird. And my note is, no, Rachel, no, 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 no. Um, I think early on they might have been trying to set up Rachel as a character that just fell in love with everyone mm-hmm. because she, I forgot the whole, until there was a mention of it, I forgot the whole Puck yeah. subplot. Mm. And I was like, oh, yeah, technically, like, canonically, she's fallen in love with three different people already. And before the end of the season, she'll have, like, another steady boyfriend. Yeah. Good for her. So, uh, yeah, if they were just like, she's a teenage girl, she could fall in love with anyone at any time. Especially if they sing Endless Love with her. <laughs> that I buy. Um, also, um, Rachel Berry, I closing count on this number, only four. Wow. Quite conservative. Oh. That's because yes. she was making direct eye contact with Will. And sure. she, had to, she couldn't blink or else she'd miss his beautiful face. <laughs> and then I vomited. Right. And then we go to Quinn and her mom. She is fitting her for her chastity ball dress. The yikes meter for my, like, this set off every single alarm bell in my head. Because yeah. if there's one thing I hate, it's weird father-daughter dances. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're a one teenage thing I, girl and your dad's taking you to a dance, run away. One thing I liked about this scene is I actually got the subtle, oh, her mom knows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I, which pays off later in the episode, and it's a rare moment for Glee to get quite this subtle. But I got it. I like I like you could see the moment the mom made the excuse, mm-hmm. so that they didn't have to talk about it. And I actually, her dad's kind of a tar- cartoon character, but I actually find Quinn's mom to be kind of a fascinating character. Yeah. Um, and it's funny you mention that because I didn't even catch that. I think I was just like very nose deep in my notes, but. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, she's a she is a great character. Do we get to see more of her as we go, or is this kind of like it? Because she, well, we'll talk about what happens with we her. We probably later. see her again at least once, but I don't remember it, so it's possible we don't. <laughs> she, you, you do see her once. I'll say it's near the end of the season that as kind sense. of a wrap up to this plot line. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, yeah. I really think we learn everything we need to know about Quinn's parents with the fact that we know that they like Glenn Beck. They attend father-daughter dances, and they definitely are both alcoholics. Yep, that was another oh note of mine. Gosh. I was like, "That's that everything." That cutaway, that cutaway to her grabbing the same drink. I was like, "Oh, oh my god!" I know. I was like, "Oh yeah. dear." Yeah. Like, yeah, something about being in Quinn's parents' house made Glee do some like interesting, like subtle close-up shots. I'm like, who, who's your cameraman for this house? Right. It's because hard. Quinn is a character that has three dimensions. <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely. I'm right I'm right here with you, Ian. Quinn's always been one of my favorite characters. Uh, um, I love it. I did love like as just from like a fashion standpoint, I really liked her chastity ball dress. I don't like what it represented. Um <laughs> But she cute, looks but I think it's a very yeah. fetching dress. Yes. It's also they're getting to do this fun thing where the three cheerleaders always have to dress like cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. Right. And and people at, like, I've seen people at schools do that, so it's not, like, out of the ordinary. But I think they finally just also got to dress Quinn in outfits. Quinn, right. how Quinn dressed in Glee was how I wanted to dress in, like, my senior year of high school. Oh, cool. I, I did. Nice. Uh, it's how I wanted to dress. It's not what I managed to pull off. But I was, like, those, like, very <laughs> flowy, like, sundresses all the time. Very sweet girl look. I I loved it. I mean, and now they have the excuse to dress her super cute because she's off the Cheerios. So, like, it's... Exactly. That's what I mean. They get to actually, like, costume her. Yeah. They get to play with her a bit. Then we have the scene between Emma and Shu. Um, 
Emma calls him the most crush-worthy teacher. Um, fine. I guess compared to the other ones we've met. Okay, well, first... <laughs> All four he, of them. having a conversation with Emma because Rachel shows up in his classroom to give him a present. Right. And gifts him the world's weirdest and simultaneously ugliest necktie. Yes. Which is like a velour necktie covered in gold stars where she very creepily says, like, you can wear it and think of me, which is not something you should ever say to your high school teacher. Right. I also thought it was an interesting callback to the pilot when she's like, gold stars are kind of my thing. And in my head, I'm like, I think this is the last time you're going to bring that up. Yes. Really? That would have been a cute little, maybe I'm wrong, but that would have been a cute little motif if she always had like a little stars on her outfits and stuff yeah but no she's just gonna use it to give her spanish teacher a velour tie (laughs) and this is where we find out this has happened before with ready for this Susie pepper she has a brand who has a brand and her brand is peppers and dressing from the 1960s now let me just say this (laughs) If I was someone who had a first or a last name that was a thing, I would absolutely make that my thing. Great. I had a friend whose last name was Salmon, spelled like the fish, and I was like, why isn't that your whole effing deal? (laughs) Just fish. I'm not saying Salmon specifically, but like, that should be your whole deal. And I'll say this, Susie Pepper gave the cuter gift. That's true. Yes, absolutely. Of the creepy gifts. I was like, Chris oh, I'd in, wear those socks. Chris was in much better taste. <laughs> it's true. And especially because, like, socks can be a thing. Like, you can be yes. a sock guy. To you be, a, be tie a tie guy, guy is kind of... You, you could, could be, but, like... Especially if you're you a high school teacher, you can be a tie guy. I mean, a- absolutely. And my dad is a tie... Or my dad was a tie guy in his working days. But, like, no one ever gave him a velour tie with, like, big old embroidered um, stars and a uh, treble clef. Um, I hope not. For many reasons. May, and, I mean, to be fair, maybe I gave him some sort of music tie growing up. I, I'm sure he'll listen to this and send me a very disappointed text message. So he but, could wear it and <laughs> think of you? But he, but he, he's responsible for my creation. Like, that's oh, different. Yeah. So Emma gives the world's worst advice. Emma gives the world's worst advice. Um, we also see this, fla- sorry, we see this flashback um, of Susie Pepper, like, falling in love with Will and then having to go oh, to the right. hospital... Because, like, when he tried to cut this off, because Terry was like, you have to stop this. Also, because she called his house in the middle of the night, and Terry said, if I don't get enough sleep, my antidepressants won't work, and I'll come and kill you. Which is... Also problem. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. (laughs) Terry as a character gets so much crap from people. No one liked her. I remember when the reviews were coming out from the show from the AV Club, people just trounced her all Mm -hmm. the time. I think she's hysterical i think most of the time terry gets the best lines and has the best delivery and i i hate that they trapped her in a plot line where she could only be the bad guy constantly i think the way they used terry this episode was fantastic this is a the great best they'll probably ever do where she was just like a wife annoyed that a high schooler is breathing into her husband's ear in the middle of the night and sees yeah. an opportunity to use another high schooler as a maid and takes it which yep i i loved i wish if fake pregnancy storyline aside Ugh. she would have been a good character yeah. i think i truly Agreed. think that like will was better this is controversial opinion will was a better character with terry because there was a conflict yes there was like stakes it made him interesting <laughs> i will i will definitely discover that as we go but like we've also talked about how like 
Terry, like, essentially what you said, JW, like, Terry, like, like, it feels like Terry was kind of made to be this terrible person, like, in a cartoonish way, even though, like, the actor is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, who says the line, these girls are too fragile, huh? Will says that, and I hate him for it. That's... Woof. Because Susie Pepper Woof. eats a very hot pepper to try to off herself, and Will says, I can't tell Rachel to stop having a crush on me, these girls are too fragile, and I'm like, Will, please don't talk about teenage girl emotions ever again. No. Also, we really, like, breezed over the fact that that was essentially code for a suicide attempt. 100%. Yeah, that was uncomfortable. They were like, she was in a coma for three days. And I was like, yeah, well, I I feel like they had to make it so bad that it justified while Will refused to just be like, hey, stop. Also, like, she was in a coma for three days, but then, like, this is the first time we're hearing of her over the course of two years. I know it's a plot device or whatever, but, like... You would think the girl who, like, caused herself harm, like, because of her crush on a teacher might have been a, a bigger talking point it's in this probably, town. It's two years ago. Anyway, I'm on. splitting hairs. I'm <laughs> splitting hairs in the Glee universe. I need to stop myself now. But you gotta, because Emma is the guidance counselor. <laughs> How does she not know about Susie Pepper? Right? Yes. You valid. Yes, Susie absolutely. Pepper's never been in the guidance council room, even after her suicide attempt? Right. It's so weird. Also, the fact that one of these writers had to sit down and say, Ah, shit. How do we make suicide a joke? <laughs> oh, God. How do we make a funny suicide? Hot Ugh. peppers are pretty funny. Oh, no. Yeah. And then uh. Emma gives the worst. Emma gives some, like dark high school musical advice which is why don't you sing it out the only universes in which singing it out is the solution is glee and high school musical i ian i forget where we're in and i'm addressing this to both of you obviously but ian's the one who hasn't seen it so i i just wonder if he's been assaulted with this yet for the first time have you gotten to your first song that's not diegetic that's like just symbolic in the person's head um, I mean, I feel like pretty early on we have um, Rachel Berry singing um, the Take Rihanna bow. song. Take, Take a, a bow. bow. That felt pretty, like, almost like a book so- number, a book musical because number to me. What I found weird was I forgot how often they would jump through hoops in these early episodes to make it that they wanted to have a certain amount of songs in the show, but they wanted to actually make them in-universe songs. Absolutely. Well eventually just so you know it goes away <laughs> there's like one an episode that's diegetic and the rest are just like emotion heart songs which i preferred the chaotic energy mm-hmm. of because i was like i don't need you to tell me like you have a cd in the car and that's why yeah. you're able to sing this song it's also right. because after like the first season maybe even the first half of the season after the popularity and also they were like oh we can make money from itunes singles that it went from like, oh, some episodes have two, most episodes have maybe five, to then like eight songs an episode. It goes up Jesus. exponentially where they're like, can a song fit here? Put it in. Wrap it up. <laughs> um, so it becomes a lot less about making songs that make a lot of sense in the episode or scenarios that make sense to just like, p- put them in, guys. Let's go. Wow. Absolutely. Um, and I will say, like, the, the non-diegetic songs have been my favorite so far. Like, we talked about, um, Quinn singing, um, Keep Me Hanging Hang On. On. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, like and that I actually might have been the first one. That like, one's that was very like, non-diegetic. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, and I loved it. Um, of course. Yeah, I think you can do more with it because it's fantasy, and so the choreographer and people can have like fun, mm-hmm. right? Because my favorite Glee trope is that the cheerleaders are ready at a moment's notice to dance. Yes, <laughs> I. That's the world I'd want to live in, where all cheerleaders are actually just very successful dancers. Oh, uh, that sounds amazing. Oh, God. I'm just imagining that world now. Even as, like, the three of us, just, like, if we're just overcome with such an emotion that, like, all of a sudden we're singing Criminal by Fiona Apple. I will talk about Fiona Apple a lot. I was going to say, Ian, Criminal is your go-to song for, like, once. Because I'm... Your go-to dance song? (laughs) That's a terrible example. I I, I can Is that the Um, song that's in your heart at all times? A little bit, yes. Um, uh, No, um, it would be Extraordinary Machine. Duh. Um, I... Different so podcast, funny. different podcast. Um, but yes, I agree with you, JW. That's the world I want to live in. Anyway, we have the scene before uh, between Finn and Kurt now. Uh, it makes me uncomfy. Yes. So as a queer man, yes. please, Kurt, please Kurt, take it away. <laughs> Kurt and later Blaine meant a lot to me at the time. Yeah. Because it did, Ryan Murphy for, it has a bad habit of like, showing so much representation but then their only characteristic is that one thing but Kurt and Blaine eventually become like these really well realized characters in my opinion Mm -hmm. I forgot and just like shuddered when I realized that we were still in these in this early plot line of Kurt has a crush on Finn Mm -hmm. and it's like if you're if you're not used to it yet Ian strap in because this is a long plot line and it's just they actually do a better version of it with Blaine and Blaine and Sam later that almost felt like a response to this Mm -hmm. but I forgot just how insidious Kurt was and I was like, I hate that the only gay male character in the show is a super villain. Yeah. Yeah. And this is not the first time we're seeing him be like catty for catty's sake or like like just try like something that's pretty conniving. This is the first time it reads, I would almost say predatory, which yes. is not what you want to be seeing your young gay male yeah. representation to be doing. Because he's trying to destroy Finn and Quinn's relationship at this point. Yes. Right. To the point that like he does something that ultimately gets like uh, has a huge consequence yeah. for Quinn. Um, and like you see the, the, maybe the leanings that for a second he, there's just also so much shoulder touching. Mm. I don't know. Like, it was yeah. just like, because this is a thing like gay people, when they're discovering their sexuality do have attractions to people who are not going to be attracted back to them. And I, I like the idea of showing that. And I just wish it had been handled a little with a little bit more subtlety like we need quinn's mom level of subtlety and we're not getting that like full stop yeah these were the kinds of scenes that when i was rewatching glee i would straight up fast forward i was like this plot i i don't like it enough that it i was like if i wasn't watching this for this show and taking notes i would be muting it and doing and playing iphone games until i look up and they're not on the screen anymore (laughs) but uh kurt uh, encourages Finn to sing I'll Stand By You. 
to the ultrasound of his unborn daughter. Uh, to the ultrasound. Loved which, it. I mean, the song was fine. It was very auto-tuned. Where did the background voices come from? I don't know. Since when can Kurt play the piano? Since when can Kurt play the piano? That was also a new um, character detail. Oh, I love that ADR line because you didn't see one lip move when he was like, thank God I took my piano lesson seriously. <laughs> right, because they were like, oh, fuck, we don't, people can play the piano so arbitrarily in this show. But I will say this, like, I don't need literally anyone in Glee who is one of the musical theater kids to explain to me why they can play an instrument. I yes. assume all of you can play the piano except for Santana. Yes. <laughs> Valid. Valid. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but Finn's mom catches the sonogram. The jig is up. Oh, no. So- Finn singing to his baby's sonogram is, I think, one of those glee moments that has, like, stuck in the zeitgeist that people remember. People are like, didn't glee have a guy singing I'll Stand By You to his unborn baby's sonogram? We all have to be like... Really? Yes. Like, that's one of the things that when you see, like, like, recaps of, like, remember glee or, like, some of the weird, like, BuzzFeed (laughs) listicles about glee, it's always, like... Finn sings to his sonogram. Isn't that weird? Like, this is a moment that really stuck out in people's minds. It gets repeated in a later season. Really? This is, like, one of those, like, they were like, we did something. Yeah. (laughs) Like, we did it. We made television. This is the way fathers connect to their babies, which is by serenading them from on a laptop screen. Oh, no. Now, I do love that this scene gave me some time with one of my favorite actors and characters. Yes. Finn's mom? I, what's her name in real life? Um, oh, I don't remember. I think it's Carol something. I I wish I remembered, but I just, I, throughout this whole series, I love um, Finn's mom and Kurt's dad. Yay, yes. Two good parents. Absolutely. 100%. Great parents. Um, like, like, again, if, if Glee was like actually like an after school special genre of a show, this would be super fitting for that kind of show. Like this moment between Finn and his mom where his mom just, like, hugs her son and mm-hmm. says, it's okay, it's going to be okay. Like, I, that's one of those things where it's like, that's what I want this show to be. And it's a lot about, like, the contrast, like, because of, you know, Finn's parents, Finn growing up with a single mom versus, you know, Quint, like, they've obviously struggled, but, like, you can see that they have maybe more of a bond because of, like, what they've basically suffered through together. And that... His mom is a little more like, you know, not ideal, but will make it work and has yeah. feelings and emotions. And in another good bit of subtle writing, that's why Finn as a character would never expect the outcome of his yes. song to end that way. Because he'd be like, a parent would never do that to their child. Right. Because moms love you. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But then we go to the hallway where all of our important conversations happen. Okay, I had never clocked this before, but Quinn is yelling at Finn of, like, I can't believe you told your mom. And she gives him the fucking Matilda speech. Like, she's like, yes, I'm right, you're wrong. I, and I'm like, I'm that's smart, what Danny dumb. DeVito says in the Matilda movie. Yes. Good <laughs> like, that's, catch. That's true. Because, you know, sometimes it, it clicks. And I was like, so they just, they're like, is this a joke? Do we th- we're supposed to know it's Matilda? I love the idea that Quinn is a big, big Danny DeVito fan. <laughs> she thinks Danny DeVito is an icon. Yeah. 
I do, and um, so then we have like a Kurt inner monologue. There's a lot of inner monologues in this episode. Um, they double down this time. I forgot that they used to do these for everyone, and right? Um, especially this, like, in this episode, and yeah. probably my favorite part of this episode was they cut to Spanish class where they're like, "Hey, eyes on your own paper," and it cuts to Shu reading a book called Jazz Hands. I didn't notice that. That's. That's actually pretty funny. Required like, reading. Required reading. It was, like, I had to rewind it just to make sure I didn't hallucinate it because that was so fucking funny to me. So I have a question about this scene, though. So it's shown that Finn is both, like, it looks like at first a group project with Quinn and Brittany. But are they taking a test? Because Kurt makes the joke about him copying off of Brittany. Mm-hmm. But, and also Shu says to keep your eyes on your own paper. But I'm like, Quinn's fully turned around. <laughs> this, I don't feel like the, the choreo, unless the joke's supposed to be that he's so disengaged with teaching that literally people are having full-ass group conversations. This is one of the Which is like, very times possible. when I'm not sure if Glee is in on the joke about, like, Will's a bad teacher or if they just don't know how school works. And yeah, <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Um, and then um, Kurt ends it with, he'll be crying into my shoulder pads. Which, fine. Yeah. Fine. Oh, God. I, I The Jazz Hands book. I'm just thinking about the Jazz Hands book. Um, so then we go to Rachel and Shu and parentheses and Emma. And Emma. Because we have this very on-the-nose mashup of... Um, oh, my God. So Will's solution. Will's solution to having a young student crush on him. And he decides the best way to fix this through song is to sing a mashup of Young Girl and Don't Stand So Close to Me. Which, Which I mean, like, <laughs> musically it worked better than I expected. Yes. But lyrically... Like, so credit where credit's due. Lyrically, these are basically straight up two songs written about guys wishing they could sleep with younger women. <laughs> it's wrong. Absolutely. Glee has a habit of doing... I actually think that Glee does... Their mashups are some of my favorite mm-hmm. things. And I think they actually got really creative with them. But they love to sing a song whose title makes sense for the moment and yeah. nothing else. I, yep. This is so far in the future, and I'm sorry, but I just haven't gotten to talk about it with someone in a long time. Karina, yes. do you remember in a future season when Unique sings the song by Beyonce? Uh, um, yeah. If I was a boy, and I'm like, that is not what that song Literally, is about, like, despite how amazing you, you're singing it. Is that Alex Newell's character? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And I am an Alex Newell super fan. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, as you should be. Yes, super fan. Love them. Yeah, but again, a look. different a different podcast can be us gushing over um, the cast of Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I described you one time, Ian, and this is a true thing. Is I thought you, I think you look like Skylar Aston. You do. I take that as a massive compliment because we grew up in the same youth theater. Oh, like we're from the Are same you? county. Skylar? Steal that skin, put it on you. Skylar Aston also will be on Glee. Really? Yeah. Oh, that is right. I I would have never remembered that if you hadn't said that. I I thought he managed to escape that. No, no one managed to escape Glee. No, uh, no, 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 no. That was in Pitch Perfect years. He got sucked in. I, I'm surprised Ben Platt isn't on Glee. Like, let's be honest. Right. Yeah. Oh. Me too. I don't think yeah. he is. Um. Young girl, don't stand so close to me. Uncomfortable eyes from everyone. 
Uncomfortable eyes from everybody. Also, how does he have the perfect backing track? Um, this was a discussion <laughs> between my roommate and me. Maybe he had some extra time on his Sunday. Um, you know what would have been a funny moment? I'm always trying to rewrite, rewrite Glee. Please. You know what would have been funny? <laughs> if, like, Emma very casually provided the backup. <laughs> and that's why she was there, so she kept encouraging him. Because the explanation of her being there, to Rachel's credit, is so nothing. And I she love just that. Like, so that would have really- made perfect sense. Yes, and then Rachel's just like, hello? And, but it, like, I mean, that being said, like, it was super cute watching Emma, like, swoon over him. I, I guess, like, I got it when it's, like, another legal adult. It's all in the eyes. It's all the eyes. Um, yes. Um, and then the, for the, my note is, is the ghost of Susie Pepper here? No, she's alive. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so that's the first time we see her, like, today. I thought minimally she was, like, a senior two years ago and would be gone by now. But no, I guess she's still here. I Apparently, you would think so. Especially, again, because she dresses like she's from 1969. She's To me, she has, like, moaning Myrtle energy of, like... Yes. <laughs> like, is actually 34 <laughs> but looks 14. <laughs> and also is maybe a ghost haunting the school bathroom. <laughs> 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 yeah. Device that we're never gonna return to. You're, you're coming back. Do we ever see her again after this no. episode? No. Why? <laughs> Rachel's Rachel's line reading of when Will's like, "Okay, Rachel, tell me what the lesson you learned was," and she just with like all one breath is like, "I'm very young, and you find it hard to stand close to me." And I'm like, "Yeah, Will, what did you expect <laughs> to happen? You yes, sing a song about exactly. a guy first. You sing a song about a guy." <laughs> who finds out the girl he's seeing is under the age of consent and he wants to break up with her because he also really wants to sleep with her. And then you mash it up with a song about a teacher sleeping with a student. You made a mistake. <laughs> that needs to be like a soundbite for going forward, I feel, Karina. <laughs> and then I, d- I forget what happens next, but my note here is Kurt and Finn. Kurt looks like a John Mulaney SNL character. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, I, is this when he's trying on the suit? Yeah. His, like, yes. bad suit in the yes. in what I thought was an attic, then realized it might be a basement. I right. couldn't tell. Um, there's only one part about this I like, because it's uncomfortable, more uncomfortable touches. They have a nice moment about bonding about dead parents, which is, yeah. like, the thing they have in common. And then Kurt suggests a very bad plan, but he's like, oh, you need to have dinner with Kurt and, I mean, Quinn's parents? You just need to go unprepared like your dad would be. And Finn goes, you think I should bring a gun? <laughs> no, he had a weapon. You should use, use your greatest weapon, your voice. I don't know. I like the idea of Finn rolling up to quit. Actually, honestly, based on what we know Her about Her dad Quinn's might parents, appreciate it. If he rolled up with a gun, it probably would have worked out better. Right. Honestly. And it's kind of a shame because with the predatory si- stuff aside, this is also one of my favorite scenes in the mm. episode. And eventually, mm-hmm. this is kind of what the Kurt and Finn relationship and friendship becomes, which is nice. And I, I feel like the writers almost saw the, like, very particular, like, brother chemistry they had. And were like, yeah. you know what we could do instead of this horrible thing? They actually not have, make it weird. There's actually something. There's nice bones there, but it's right now it's just covered in uncomfortable predatory behavior. And, like, for the nature of that content, like, Chris Colfer is still, like, a, an incredible actor in all of this. Yeah. Like, giving you levels. Yeah, absolutely. Giving you subtext. I didn't realize um, how early on they had figured out his character's, like, style, too. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like, like I, I remember being like, oh, yeah, these clothes actually, in the best possible way, didn't evolve. He was always, like, just too couture yep. for to, for, to be a real outfit. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we see it, like, in the pilot where he's like, hold this, it's Gucci or something. Oh, like, right, right, right. And shout out <laughs> um, to Chris Colfer for being the one actual teenager on set. Yep. Is that true? Yeah, he was 19 when this show started. Oh, wow, wow, he's, wow, wow. He's an, the yeah. only... Jenna Uskowitz is older than that? Yeah, she was 20 or 21 when this started. Okay, okay. So not too much older. Because in my... I just always thought... Uh, I knew she was one of those, like, Broadway kids. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And so I was like, she might actually be really young, but... I guess I guess they're in Broadway when they are young and yes. then they become right. adults. I mean, to be fair, a lot of this cast, like especially the ones who you don't spend as much time with, were like 20, 20 to like twenty three, like prime age for just like fucking around for the most part. Mm-hmm. Right. We then go to Will's home. Rachel Berry is there <laughs> and cooking venison. Uh, she's definitely supposed to be vegan, but okay. Yeah. Oh, Good right. I mean, she ate pepperoni pizza with Finn in a bowling alley a couple episodes ago, so the show clearly doesn't care, but... Terry fights with Will, and it escalates right quickly. Terry's right. I mean, she's not Terry's right. Terry's right, though. Terry is right. She's right. Ter- I mean, she's maybe not right in letting a high schooler into her home and cleaning her bathroom, but also, I think she is. Oh, well, it, yeah. here's the thing that I actually really like about this, and I almost wish Glee just let the characters say it, is <laughs> Terry's like, look, if you're not going to say anything to her, I'm going to get something out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're the one not yeah. stopping her from coming <laughs> over to our house. I didn't invite her to the house, but if she's here, clean a bathroom. Yeah, honestly, that's that's the better context. And then at one point she's like, something over there is dusty, take care of it. I just, I, I yeah, again, we've already talked about it, but this is, this is how Terry should have always been used. Yes. But then I have to be disgusted halfway through when I remember the fake pregnancy storyline uh, and how stupid oh Will is. Then Will drives her home and there's like a brief moment of like a love ballad from her in the backseat. Start and- singing Crush. No, see, th- this was my. I brought this up earlier. Is this a ballad? Because this is just a pop song, right? Is it slow and sentimental? Is it? I don't consider. I consider this like a a, a bop. <laughs> we don't get to hear a lot of it, but I would be interested to know if they released a full version, which I'm sure they did, and what it sounds like. I honestly don't remember. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me that, like, I honestly don't remember what the song sounds like, and I watched this two days ago. It's because she only gets to sing, like, two bars of it, but yeah. I'm wondering if... It's just a little crush. I don't Not consider like everything that a ballad. I do. Yeah, right? I don't consider that a ballad. That's a... You're, you are right. That is a bop. Yeah, yeah, that's like a fun, like, prom song or something. Right. <laughs> Like, that's one you sing with your girls on the way to the mall. I don't know. Is that um, what you sing with your girls on the way to the mall again? <laughs> it was in 2009. It's got mall energy. It does. I feel that. Um, they did release a full um, Of course they did. Of They're going to get that course. money. If you want but they couldn't do. But they couldn't do Tina singing tonight anyway. Uh, justice for Tina. Justice for Tina They always. never released tonight from Tina? Because no. I remember that moment. What a wasted opportunity. I know. Um, then we're back in the hallway. Susie Pepper conf- confronts um, Rachel Berry. Like, basically, and then, yeah. like, stop this. You're, I've lived this life. Yeah, don't do it. Him. Was this the conflict where she eventually said that they were both, like, mediocrely attractive? Yeah, that... No, no that was a little later. later in the bathroom. Oh, that's later. I'm and sorry. she's haunting the bathroom. But I this love is that just point. Her, like, we'll get to it. Confronting her. And then I think we go to 
Puck and Mercedes? There's this fun little bit where, like, Mercedes is, like, chatting on the phone. Little hallway chatter talking about her pregnant hamster and how stressed she is. And I'm like, this is a fun, weird bit of filler as though your episode was kind of short and you just needed to. Yeah. I also love that it's that she... We, we're not not starts the conversation because we're like midway through but we find out she's talking to tita and one of the first things she says is like oh you're on the second floor girl <laughs> right. i'm like I am right the beneath second you. floor of what <laughs> is the school two stories you're telling me this school has two stories absolutely not <laughs> not in my ohio they don't have that kind of money they don't have that kind of money i feel like especially mercedes was one of the characters that always got a little bit of the short end of the stick because yep. they yes. kind of never figured out beyond diva what her personality was and i wish they had leaned in more to like this dorky weirdo energy that would have been something so fun and unexpected while still being able to do those kind of like you know jennifer hudson-esque vocals and it is in those moments like right there that like we remind we get we're reminded of how much of the weight of the show that she's like actually carrying yep like from being the only black woman, like, in the central cast to, like, having to do, like, this, like, this is a bit of a gross caricature. Mm-hmm. But that's when we find out that Puck, well, not we find out, but Puck then sort of spills the beans and tells Mercedes that he's the father. Puck is so frustrated that everyone is feeling bad for Finn and Quinn that he's like, no, actually, I deserve the sympathy of having a teenage pregnancy. And also maybe, right. like, it's jealousy over Quinn that's what's implied right. i think and then in a episode just chock full of characters giving bad advice to other characters yes. mercedes out of nowhere has a strong impassioned opinion about this mm-hmm. that just seems like the worst gosh darn advice i've ever heard it's like yeah cuz she basically is like puck you are stepping out you're not being part of this child's life quinn pick finn as the father not you which is a lot of nuance for a high school pregnancy where the baby is getting kidnapped at the end of its pregnancy journey, <laughs> so... Yes. Well, she's also like, it takes a lot more to be a... It takes a lot more than being a dad to be a father or whatever, and I'm like, how do you know that Finn's going to be a, quote, good father? Yeah, he doesn't even know who Justin Timberlake is. These are children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's got that, this like, is wild. same energy as spoilers for Guardians of the Galaxy 2, I guess, where, like, <laughs> like the whole end of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is that uh, Peter Quill meets his dad, and it turns out his dad's, like, an evil, all-powerful god, and then the evil guy says that line as he's dying where he goes, like, he may have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy, and and then I cried. Um, <laughs> I didn't cry during this episode, I cried during Guardians of the Galaxy, and that's, like... What it feels like is they're trying to say, like, oh, Quinn is picking Finn as the father, and that can be a more important relationship than your birth parent. But again, these are two shitty high school boys, neither of whom are fit to be a good dad. Absolutely not. Because then we immediately cut to Finn at the Fabres. Quinn looks amazing. She does. The dad proposes a toast, and it is too overwhelming for Finn, who has trouble finding the bathroom, and then pulls out his LG chocolate, which I appreciated. Before we before we get to the phone call, I have a sincere question. Yes. Does the actor playing Quinn's dad know how to pronounce the character's last name? Because I swear he doesn't say Fabre, Does and it's like, like Fabre. Fabre. Maybe yeah, it's and an I was just like, Yeah, but I was like, that is a 
strong choice when we have heard the phrase Quinn for Bray a million times by this. Right. They were like, oh god, he's too famous for our glee. We can't direct him. <laughs> <laughs> However he says it is right, guys. However he says it is right. That's her name now. Diana, Who cares? <laughs> and then Diana Agron goes up to like the second AD and is like, um, should we tell him that he's pronouncing nope, just, no, no. just go with it. Just go with it, D. <laughs> But yeah, like the the dad is the dad is a character, and we're at the most uncomfortable waspy dinner ever. Yes. Um, and Finn runs to the bathroom to use his LG chocolate to call Kurt for advice. Who is ironing at home? Because he's gay. Which like a gay. Yeah. I was about to, guys, right before we started recording, <laughs> I was ironing my various accessories. Okay, okay. I, I feel like I learned something tonight. Thank you so much. Yeah representation matters <laughs> there's not a lot of gay stereotypes that are true anymore it's a diverse community but we are ironing constantly <laughs> that's a universal gay truth yeah absolutely and i'm just i'm talking every letter of the acronym <laughs> not just lgbtq plus all of us that plus loves plus an the, iron <laughs> that, that's the premium part of it yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> so funny there's exactly one good and relatable line in this, which is um, Finn saying, all right, I have to go. They'll think I'm pooping, which is the exact kind of anxiety I can vibe with. Absolutely. And then he does some like half karate in the mirror to psych himself up, I think. Which I that think was is cute. The, the, I'm cute. I'm like, that's a white man. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's it. That is it. That felt earnest. And then we That did feel there. earnest. And then it's the nightmare, guys. Right before this happens, though, I have to point out, because I, I love the links they go through in this episode to make the diegetic music make sense. And he comes in with a little boombox. And yep. we have to have the mom say, that's my kitchen stereo or whatever. And I'm just like, <laughs> you so, didn't need an explanation. So this means that the Fabres have to keep a boombox <laughs> with a C- with a CD player in their kitchen, yep. and Finn showed up previous to this dinner. He burned a copy of the instrumentals to this song to be able to have a backing track. I mean, that's clearly something that there is enough time for in this universe because they all have enough time to like find the two songs that they're mashing up and mash them together, but only the karaoke version, so that Will can sing a song about a girl that's too young for him. Has sing. Paul Anka song ever been the solution to anyone's problems? Uh-huh. Excellent question. Uh, yeah, so Finn is serenading Quinn with "You're having my baby" because he's very literal, and it's it's involved. very uncomfortable. It's a nightmare. I I did like the character moment of Quinn going from uncomfortable to enchanted slowly. Yeah, it's because of now, his damn good voice. This won't be the last time that the character Finn decides it's time to out another woman about something in her personal life. Yeah. Because all I could think was like, this seems like a thing Quinn should have been in on decision-wise. Yeah, this doesn't feel like your place at all, Finn. Especially because you know it wasn't like, again, his perception of what a parent will do when they find out their kid is having a baby is skewed. But Finn's been, I mean, Quinn's been very vocal about if my parents find out, they will kill me. Like, she hasn't been like, no, I just don't want them to know. She's been like, this will ruin my life. And Finn is therefore like, yeah, but if Paul Anka's the one saying it, <laughs> maybe, maybe the subtle sweetness of this song will help uh, 
help soften the blow. And he was wrong. He was very, 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 very wrong. Um, they have a family. Also, they have a family meeting in the living room. And it's heartbreaking. All of it is heartbreaking. It is so heartbreaking. And again, this was one of those moments where it's like this could have been like the show, like the whole dad going off on this like sentimental speech about his little girl falling asleep in his lap, and then Quinn being like, like what's like you make a point. I'm not a little girl anymore, and I made a mistake. And like it was just so like. I thought it was just so beautifully done. Mm-hmm. I read that this was going to be the episode that Diana Agron was submitted for an Emmy. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, for this scene. I get that. Yeah. She didn't. It, do- it like, though. didn't ultimately go through or whatever. I don't remember the details. But I was like, yeah, that absolutely makes sense why this. Because this is a rare Quinn-focused episode. Yes. Yet also, she doesn't seem to be the lead in it. No. Right. But, like, she absolutely, like, takes it and runs with it. She's just such a good actor. Yeah. She is. Oh, oh and, like, I fucking the, love her. The interaction between her and her mom where she's like, I know you knew and I needed my mom and you weren't there for me. And, and like, of course, the thing of, like, if she was going to do something, she would have done it. You don't, like, but, like, Quinn's mom very clearly, like, having some feelings about this, but can't escape being like essentially deferential to her husband because that's yeah. the vibe that they have in this house clearly mm-hmm. and it's still 2009 in ohio yeah. and they've been they're they're a conservative family like that's been pretty well established so yeah. that gender roles are very important to them right and beyond all that they set it up earlier when he she said something like oh not you don't have to get me a drink i'm the wife or whatever yes, yeah. it was like similar like that i was like i also I appreciate any time any show does this, but Glee especially isn't always great about setting up and then having a payoff. Sometimes they just go for payoff. (laughs) Yeah, and so I appreciate that. I was like, yeah, this makes sense for her character. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, this scene was the best scene in the episode in terms of, like, emotions. It was well done. You felt it. It's funny. It's hilarious that it was preceded by Finn serenading at the dinner table with... Yeah. The idiotic song of "You're Having My Baby." Imagine if, imagine with me, if you will, y'all, an episode five minutes long that's just Mercedes' phone conversation in this scene. <laughs> what a perfect episode uh, of television! That episode could have won the Emmy. I would pay premium for that episode. Uh, um, and then her parents kick her out of the house. It's very sad, and Quinn and Finn takes Quinn back to his place and. His mom, the angel that she is, allows her to stay however long she needs to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you said it earlier, but because my note here was like, we need more of Finn's mom being an angel. Yeah, she's gold. And it's like, that could have been the episode. That could have been it, like the end of the episode for me. But we got to reconcile Susie Pepper and Rachel Berry over here. Yeah, let's go back to the uncomfortable teacher plot. Which, um, just realizing now that they're two... Two foods for last name, anyway. Oh my god. Why didn't Rachel Berry give him some socks covered in little blueberries? <laughs> That's a good thing. Why was her thing never berries? Like, right? it's so, it's such a big part of her identity as being Rachel Berry and almost never Rachel. No, she's always, she's one of those people you have to say both her names. Right. Um, My only note for this scene where they confront each other in the bathroom is Susie Pepper got therapy and it shows... Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, oddly enough for me, that was kind of the twist that I wasn't expecting here. Like, I think there's so much of this, like, we have to fight over the man. Like, so it's like, 
woman versus woman, but the fact mm. that she came in and said what you were talking about before, JW, like, we're both mildly attractive and extremely grating. Like, <laughs> move on. Um, Mr. She was a perfect target for our self-esteem issues. You need to find some self-respect, Rachel. That was some... That was... That was the payoff I didn't... That I wasn't expecting. I hate as a writer as a comedy tv writer that they had to be like and i got esophagus transplant surgery and i was like you could have just not said earlier that she ruined her esophagus and you wouldn't have had to have excused away the fact that sarah drew's talking normally or if you're gonna make that dark joke earlier make her voice all messed up right that's like i Pick imagine a lane. like like on the note of like conversations we've had in the past Karina like that's the point like where I imagine in the writer's room that like one of the three of them was like wait didn't we mention before that like she had like a throat thing and we're like oh no 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 yeah yeah you're right right we have to um uh we have to justify this somehow esophagus transplant sure sure we're on a deadline I love the idea that the Glee writers never could go backwards. So once they typed a word, it was just like, well, that's in the script forever. The backspace key was broken. All they could mm-hmm. do was fix it. Glee is also like, the, the reason, of course, they didn't make her voice fucked up is because Glee is the world of there's no long-term consequences. Yep. So, sure, sure. So, of course, this is fine. Um, and then, yeah. Yeah, and then Rachel sees the error of her ways. Which, like, this was kind of a sweet scene, too, but I could do without Matthew Morrison, like, doing the whole sitting backwards in the chair cool guy thing. I actually got a laugh. I think my <laughs> one of my biggest laughs in the episode was the flowers and then the reveal that the car said sorry for being crazy I or whatever. That. I that love was actually that. Funny. I also, like, don't focus a lot on Rachel's outfits typically, but Rachel wearing this, like, frilly, like, farm girl dress. It's like, she looked mm-hmm. like her mom made it for the Pioneer Girl, but... She doesn't have yep. a mom, and she's not a pioneer girl, but that's, like, what she was rocking today, and I was like, oh, okay, I see you, Rachel. It was cute. Yeah, it was, like, a sweet little, like, moment of Rachel. Again, Rachel's the only character who could fall in love over a ballad and get over it in the course of a 60-minute uh, episode. And exactly. And then we have Kurt and Finn kind of reconciling. Uh, Kurt, Kurt being like, Finn's like, thanks, you helped me. Uh, you had a bad plan, but it seems like it's okay, which is the only thing you could say if you're the two dudes in this situation who didn't get yeah, right. to your parents' house. Right. And then Kurt's like, I get to sing my ballad to you now. And I'm gonna and he like stares Finn dead in the eye and says, My ballad's called I Honestly Love You, and I go, Oh no. Huh. Kurt, you poor dear. Yeah, it was like the best of the scenes if he's gonna do that, because again, then it's more of just a crush mm-hmm. that yeah. he's having. Um, and I did like Finn's reaction uh, comedically of like, oh, I don't know it, but uh, like trying to get out of it, like knowing right. what's happening right. and like, yeah. oh, well, I don't know how to do it. Because we, d- we didn't talk about it, but there's some interesting stuff early on with Finn's character about him being like, I can't sing to a dude or I can't do this stuff to a dude. Mm-hmm. And I always right. found it interesting that, it wasn't just that Finn was a character that Kurt had a crush on. He was a theoretically homophobic mm-hmm. character yeah. that right. Kurt had a crush on. And I kind of wish they explored that more. Yeah, because he says to, like, Shu in the beginning, like, I don't think I can do this with another guy. And everyone's like, ah, oh, like, and uh, Will gives him the brush of, like, oh, well, the fates have spoken, which is how Finn basically teases him into singing with Rachel. But right. then when him and Kurt are, like, having their first meeting as partners, and Finn, like, 
gets angry. He lashes out pretty he does. In an extreme way, and he like yells at Kurt, like, "No, I can't do this, and I'm tired of people trying to get me to do all these things I'm not comfortable with." So, yeah. and I did appreciate that Kurt said it was inappropriate. Mm-hmm. In character, which was nice. Yeah, right. I, I wish I knew the line verbatim, but he was like, that was enti- that was excessively dramatic and interesting, but also very inappropriate. Yeah. And right. I was like, that's, a, that's actually an in-character funny line. Absolutely. But then who interrupts them to just like, at the end, who interrupts them to just be like, well, this scene's over. Mercedes right? does. Mercedes comes in to be like, by the way, we need you over here. Which led me to write down the note, which is, this episode's all over the place emotionally. It like, is. we're going from some high highs and some low lows at the drop of a hat. Yep. I, I wish Mercedes had been on another phone call with Tina <laughs> when she came in. That was just her bit for the episode, was having a constant conversation with Tina. I would love it. I would love, like, the, the series that's just, like, one episode is Mercedes on the phone with Tina, and the next episode is Tina's side of that conversation with Mercedes on the phone. Oh, that's a fun idea, actually. Right? Hey. Yeah. JW, let's pitch it. Um, (laughs) Before we get to the final number, I do want to say that my mourn that we couldn't get like a spinoff episode of this where we see all the other duet partners like practicing, like what were Artie and Quinn working on? What were Puck and Mercedes going to sing? What were Tina and Mike Chang would have done? I want to know. I'm actually a little surprised we didn't get a glimpse of at least the Artie Quinn one just because it was so Quinn focused. Right, like, right, right. Like that could have absolutely been a scene. Yeah. Um, what would they have sung to each other? I want to know. That's what I want to know, yeah. Like one less Susie Pepper scene and one more Artie Quinn exactly. scene. Exactly. You only needed that last Susie Pepper scene. Yeah, you really did. Um, Peter is a ghost in the hallway. <laughs> Oh, man. I'm going to be we laughing talk- about Moaning Myrtle Energy for a week. <laughs> it was a perfect joke. Um, then we get... there's a, This happens a lot, Glee. And this would make me, my skeleton, jump out of my skin and fly out a window if someone sat me down to sing to me, but I'm seated and everyone singing is standing. <laughs> I couldn't physically deal with how awkward this made no. me feel. And apparently they kept Finn and Quinn out of, like, rehearsals to have genuine reactions to them doing this. You mean in real life? Yeah. Like, oh, Corey Monteith and Diana Agron weren't allowed into the rehearsals for this so that this was a genuine, like, look. That was, this was not worth this. <laughs> I like, disagree. Their reactions were just like, oh, okay. this is nice. Like, yeah. Quinn especially was like, oh, cool song. (laughs) (laughs) I loved it, though. Like, I like I remember I have I didn't see for context, JW, I've seen like all of four episodes of Glee, but I saw this. I saw this scene like I've seen this number when it aired and I loved it. Like, and I guess I had enough of context. Like I knew that Puck was actually the father. Um, I knew that, like, I guess maybe like I tuned in like when Quinn was kicked out of the house or something. I don't remember, but. I remember seeing the song, and I loved it, and I watched it again the other day, and I still loved it. Um, Shu gives Artie a weird high five at the beginning of the song. Yeah. That was weird. Um, Mercedes kills it. Yeah. I love an Artie's and Mercedes little duet. They've been doing that a lot, where those are Mm -hmm. the two leads, and I'm fine with that. 
I generally like group numbers, especially when there's multiple soloists. I find those the most interesting mm-hmm. because that then it's not just like a straight cover of a song. It is like a not a cappella because there's backing instrumentals, but it's like a show choir a show version choir. of yeah. it. Yeah. It's, and I also love that they. F- it feels like in the best possible way, they allow the actors to break character relationships just enough to have fun. Like Brittany hugging Rachel halfway through that. it was so cute. And does it make sense for the characters? No. Mm, no. Not really at this point, but I'm like, it just, the best of Glee is when show choir is making all these different kids come together and just love what they're doing. Yeah. And when they, have moments like this it's i think it's i think it's why people connected to glee at the time right because it's everyone just singing along singing a song and being happy together which Mm -hmm. is all anyone wanted yeah and i think that point is exactly why i love this number and why i've loved like the other group numbers in the past because like it's a chance for them to just kind of like sing a fun song as a group like they're not acting and it's not like musical theatery either like it was, it just, like, everything about it just worked for me. Well, and early on, so many of the songs were dominated by Rachel, Finn, and Will. Yeah. Right. And it felt like we only got other character songs for very specific episodes featuring them or the show choir moments. Like, that's something I, I'm one of those weirdos whose favorite two seasons is three and four. Because oh. to me, that was the perfect mix of... Glee still having a little bit of glimmer of what it used to be, but it was also full chaos. It was very chaos. And by three and four, it's just, you don't know who's going to have a solo in the number. It could be anybody. And there was something more fun about that to me than like, again, like you were mentioning Karina earlier, like another Rachel ballad. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I could, I could go my entire life without hearing Leah Michelle sing a song again, but I feel like I still never got enough of like Artie singing, Tina singing. I could listen to Amber Riley sing forever. So... I think part of what I loved about this was like re- like Rachel Berry was a solid ensemble player. Yes. She'll do that when she's trying to cheer someone up, not for a competition. No. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, I don't hate that Rachel Berry. Um, in conclusion, this episode actually moved pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, again, because it, it had every emotion in the world in it, but we did it. Yeah. A Glee, a Glee episode that just ends with a musical number, I think, is always kind of a success because then they're like, here's the bow. We've done it. There's yeah. no end scene. There's no end credits. Scene. It's solid. And it was, it was interesting to watch an episode. My favorite episodes are always when they're at a competition. Mm-hmm. And Ian, you're going to get that soon, I think. I yeah, think like, like the next one Sectionals, that regionals, nationals. Yeah. Those are my favorite because I love just there being a show choir and then behind the scenes, what's the drama? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think all those work out really well. But... That being said, there was something interesting about an episode without Sue Sylvester to be assigned to watch, which also meant that the Glee Club itself, there was no turmoil. No, the problem like there was no like we need to. Yeah, which I think I actually was surprisingly happy with, even though that's not that's the opposite of the sectionals drama I Mm -hmm. normally live for. All right, all right. Well, now we come to the world's most important question. Which is, if you have 99 cents left on your iTunes gift card, which one of the songs from this episode are you going to spend it on? Um, Mm -hmm. The official list of songs for this episode does include Crush On It, if that is... There was actually a fair amount, because we have Endless Love, we have I'll Stand By You, the mashup of Don't Stand So Close to Me and Young Girl, apparently Crush, since it was released as a single, 
and you're having my baby and lean on me. It's a lot to choose from this time. JW, what would you go with? If I was just going to listen to a song for song's sake, I would actually probably download Crush, but I don't, that wasn't my favorite song in the episode. It's just like, my vibe is way more like trashy pop, that kind of stuff. And this, again, because it's the ballad episode, and that's like my least favorite thing is slow love songs. I was just like, ugh. I am not typically a big fan of Finn's voice. It's just not, it was never my favorite. And because he was the lead character, he got so many solos that part of me is like, oh, maybe I just got spent on it. That mm-hmm. being said, I do really like his rendition of um, Stand By Me. I'll I'll Stand By You. you. Yeah. Whatever of this, <laughs> you know, not the movie. I liked his rendition of the movie, Stand By Me. Uh, <laughs> the, one, the one man reinterpretation. If, you, if I listen to that song separate of the visuals, I think I'd just be like, oh, what a great cover. Yeah. Mm. I buy yeah. it. Great. Ian? So, I actually spent 99 <gasps> cents on Lean On Me. Ian, I'm so proud of you. When, when this came out, <gasps> I oh. loved it. Yeah, so that's your answer to the question. I think that's the uh, that's definitely the only time I spent money on a Glee song. Amazing. Um, but um yes, and oh, I, I would do it again. My answer it. today stands. Um mine's hard cuz I do really like Finn's cover of I'll Stand By You. Generally when Finn does like those kind of classic rock covers, I actually really dig them because I like those songs and he does Finn's uh Kurt is right. His voice really a uh, Suits the Fits. classic, yeah. yeah. And Lean On Me is iconic, but controversially, I feel like I want to go for the mashup of Young Girl and Don't Stand So Close to Me. <laughs> Again, separate of the If it's the not show, in context, it's just a pretty good mashup. It's a fucking solid mashup. Like, musically, I mean, like, Matthew Morrison is, of course, very talented. Yeah, and, like, you can't hear that mashup any, anywhere else. You can only get it from Glee. Exactly. Well, that's that's why I think I you normally like the mashup so much because that would have probably been my like second or third pick if I'm for some reason downloading Rachel <laughs> Berry's version of Crush, um, <laughs> because yeah, they they that was the only time it felt like they really besides their original music, which is much later on, mm-hmm. it, it felt like the only time that they really changed something up. And I I think that's also why I like the sectionals music and the competition music is because they really tried to show choir things. Yeah. Which made it different because I, I like songs like um, you mentioned it earlier, Ian, the, 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 when Rachel and it was Tina and Mercedes as the backup and it's the Rihanna oh, song. Take about. Mm-hmm. Take about. I'm just like, this is a fine cover, but it's literally Take About. It's like yeah. with Rachel a different Barry was vocalist. Doing karaoke and you went to see her by accident. And you're like, oh, okay. Sounds <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah. But I, I, I don't need the version, uh, I don't need the Leah Michelle version of Firework. That's just Katy Perry's firework without any changes yeah. whatsoever. I like when right. Glee tries something. Glee doesn't always succeed when they try something, but I, I applaud them for trying. Absolutely. All right. Cool. Well, that was it. That was somehow episode 10. That was ballad. Yeah. Uh, JW, if people wanted to find you on social media or the internet or whatever, how can people do so? Sure. I'm probably most active on 
Twitter. If you follow my Instagram, it's just gerbils and time lapses of workouts, um, which are very t- two very specific fetishes. <laughs> but, um, but on Twitter, I'm at JW Crump. That's J-W-C-R-U-M-P. And again, I'm the co-host of Pod Leadem. That's the word model spelled backwards at the end there. An episode-by-episode recap of America's Next Top Model. We are currently in cycle 11 Mm -hmm. and not to humble brag but we did just get to our 200th five-star review which we're very happy about mazel yeah um the most recent one was from canada so thank you (laughs) thank you canadian fans i love canada (laughs) yeah they're very nice with those five-star reviews it's great so yeah i'm really happy for you Um, if you like we started that podcast at the right time because right when we started it they put it all on hulu uh, all on amazon prime and also Mr. J. Manuel did a tell-all book, and Tyra's opening an ice cream store, and it's just like... Really? Yes, my ice cream. Cute. Oh, come on. It's, Wouldn't you think that would be ice eye cream instead of ice cream? It's ice cream, though. Yes. Well, I learned something today. Yeah. Um, Karina, if people wanted to find you on social media, where can they do so? If you're trying to find me on social media, you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Epic Adventure Of. Um... Mostly what I talk about now is, is this podcast, so um, yeah. if you really want to double down on this brand, you can follow me there. Um, or some, like, pictures of trees, you know. Yeah. I live in the country. Um, Ian, where are they going to find you? You can find me at iBroski on Twitter, Instagram, and I guess Clubhouse, if that's what you're into. Um, and uh, ianjbrodsky.com. Um, there's some fun updates I guess in my life and stuff, um, like not to like vague book my own life, but like I, I, I guess like now I have like some stuff going. I, I'm gonna shut up. Just like find me on Instagram or whatever. All right, if you want to see Ian's mysterious life, you can go find it's, him on his website. I'm, I, I, I'll shut up. Um, Just a real mysterious Skylar Aston vibe. Yeah. <laughs> I will never get tired of that. If you want to book Ian for your Skylar Aston lookalike party, um, you can find him on social media. Um, if you want to find this podcast and tell us about what we did right, wrong, or missed entirely, you can find us at Glee Aggressive on Twitter, Instagram, or you can hit us up in a long-form essay by giving us an email at gleeaggressive at gmail.com. No one has yet to send us in an essay, and frankly, I'm hurt. Um, yes, exactly. Send us your I know theses. you all have feelings. Um, as someone who has had uh, over 100 episodes of this podcast, just to let you know when those emails start... They don't stop. I so <laughs> yeah, get ready. I might have just cursed us, but that's okay. Um, Love um, my fans, but they <laughs> they have opinions on that, that that show. That's a show to have opinions on. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if you feel like tipping us, you can like do so through our like Acast page. Like it's in our description of our show notes. That's a thing now. Um, if you're so inclined to do so, we love you for it. And finally, we'd be bereft not to tell you to rate, review, and subscribe. Please do. Because we're a podcast. Um, but that being said, we hope you'll follow us along on our journey and join us next week. We are discussing episode 11, which is ominously titled Hairography. Mm. So, JW, thank you so much for joining us today. You are welcome back whenever you damn well please. Um, this was so much fun. Oh, thank you. And I, I will come back. I didn't realize how much I enjoyed revisiting this show anytime and you're still in the good 13 (laughs) ian honey 14 (laughs) on 
different show, different world. I know. Oh, it yikes. Gets, it gets so much better and so much worse, which does lead me, Ian, to ask you our ever-important question, which is, did watching episode 10 make you want to go on to episode 11? I don't know, I guess. Ah, ambivalence. The best we can ask for. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da.